I say unto you, welcome. It's the classic guitar rock podcast. All right, which one of you cutthroats done shot the boss in the gizzard? And I tell you, I got a dumb dog too, my dog. We call him Egypt. Every room he leaves a pyramid. Now, kiss my grand. All right, I'll give it a try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try. I know what you're thinking, punk. You're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Now, were you or were you not on the night of June the 13th in Mrs. Throttlebottom's chicken coop? Certainly not. I was in the house. What house? The dog house. Atomic <laughs> <laughs> batteries to power. Turbines to speed. start, I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on. Yes! That's awesome! We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And now, your host, Jeremy Lunnan. Yeah, we don't know anything about that fellow there. Who is he? Where's he coming from? It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome back once again to the show that never ends. <laughs> Uh, this is the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. I'm Jeremy Lennon, and I'm here with my partner, John Dimke. John, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You you recovered okay from your debut episode last week? Uh, yeah, it was actually kind of fun. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, today, we're in a different situation. You're in your studio, and I'm in my little studio. Yeah. Well, one thing I forgot to show tell you is like two weeks ago, uh, we went to a sh- one of our first shows. Okay. Uh, first concert's out, and we nice. went and saw Jimmy Eat World. Really? Okay. We played, yeah. we played a Jimmy Eat World song in the band. You sent me a clip. I got a clip of it. You sent yeah, me a they, clip of them playing. They sounded amazing. Song. So in Spokane, they have this downtown park that's quite huge, and they have a like a tent structure. I don't know what the best called. Pavilion? Pavilion? Yeah. It's, oh, I don't know, 100 feet tall, and it's got these wires that come out with all these lights, and it was just a great show. Good. It was a little cold, but it was still fun. We're cooling off here. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's really going to be the spring, fingers crossed, if the COVID continues, you know, trending downward, that, that by next spring and summer, we'll be back to semi-normal. That's my hope anyway. So here's some feedback I got. This is from one of our loyal supporters and listeners. This is from Lauren and she chimed in on the Supergroup podcast last week. She says, I really enjoyed the Supergroup podcast. I was waiting for one of you to mention damn Yankees. The first album was great. Second album, not so much. And she agreed with my comment about Ted. And I basically said, Ted's a phenomenal guitar player, but he's, he talks a lot and <laughs> you either love him or hate him. But he's a he's a kind of a controversial uh, figure. So she agreed on that. One other thing, a correction, John, a correction. Yes. John was talking about money by Pink Floyd and said that money was in five, four time. But as Lauren points out, it's actually in seven, four. 
which is just she is ex- she is incredibly correct. I crazy misspoke. Time. Yeah, I it was it was the lights and all the pressure being on a live podcast <laughs> yeah. that scared me. Yeah, the pressure. Yeah, and and she says I only know that because I always teach it. She's a guitar teacher, so that's oh, fun. awesome. And we appreciate Lauren. Another thing about Lauren is she is uh, one of our supporters on Patreon. So let me just throw this plug out. If you enjoy the podcast, you can be a Patreon for as little as three bucks a month. That's a deal. uh, Yeah, that is a deal. Three bucks a month. I mean, you spend three bucks on, can you get a coffee? I don't drink coffee. Can you get a coffee for three bucks? I I don't, I don't really buy coffee myself, but I don't think you can get a, like a Americano, which is like basic just black coffee for three bucks. Yeah. So for three bucks a month, you can, uh, you know, you know, be part of the magic. That is the classic guitar rock podcast. And if you correct me, one of my foibles on air, we will definitely read it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know, and people have been really kind so far, but there's a guy on, sorry, first of many tangents. There's a guy on YouTube. I don't mean to trash the guy. I watch him all the time. He's called the real music observer. And he's just a normal guy that talks about music stuff. I'm a normal guy that talks about music. But you know what frustrates the crap out of me, John? He turns off his comments. Oh. I hate that. You can't leave comments. Half of the fun, and I get them on YouTube. I mean, they're 90% positive, right? But occasionally you get the one that says, I really, you have such a punchable face. That's one of my favorite ones I've gotten. (laughs) You have such a punchable face. But you know what? If you're going to be a critic, if you're going to share your opinion, that comes with the territory. You got to allow people to comment, right? It's, Isn't it's, that part of the thing? Here's my take on music and art and everything like that. It's like, hopefully what you're trying to do is express yourself and hopefully get a, an emotional reaction out of someone. And you have to realize that whatever you do art-wise is not for everybody. True. If they have a reaction, that's actually something positive they've felt something they may not have felt what you wanted them to feel but they've felt something if they have nothing to say they were not moved by your art at all yeah that's a good point that's so, a good point anything anything well don't write bad comments just to be funny but no <laughs> but, but <laughs> this isn't an open invitation to sell us with all the punch yeah, faces but but we uh so real music observer and i don't mean that as a slam against him i still you know i'm a subscriber and i like i watch a lot of his videos but I wish he would let me make comments because sometimes I want to chime in and go, I agree 100%. Or I might want to say, I don't agree with, you know, that's part of the fun. So send them positive, negative. We're not going to block them. The only ones we block are like when people are spamming, you know, we just, there's a few comments we didn't approve for the website because I had nothing to do with, you know, it's they're trying to sell something or something. I don't know what they're doing, but you know, we welcome all of that. So Thanks to Lauren for her support, for her great email, and for being a patron on Patreon. And, and correcting my wrong. And correcting John's mistake. I'm sure there'll be more, not, not just from John, but from me in, in general. So, yes, email us, classicguitarrocketmail.com. Check out the website. And today, John, we have another fun episode and we we didn't have a good working name to call it. and so what yeah. i wound up calling it is non guitar bands that we really like so these are bands that it doesn't mean they don't have a guitar in them but they're not when you think about hard rock when you think about classic rock 
these are not bands that are normally thought of. And I was thinking about it another, uh, another way. I've got all my classic rock friends, right? If I think back to high school or whatever, all my classic rock friends, these are bands I would like them to be exposed to just because I really like them, even though they're outside of this hard rock, guitar-driven rock that I really like. These are bands I would recommend to those people as well. Is that a, is that a workable definition for us? It's a very difficult topic because rock music is built around the guitar. Otherwise right. it's right. jazz or bluegrass or something, or a yeah. big band or something. Yeah. So that the, the idea I came up with was this band doesn't need a guitar. <laughs> ah, I like that though. I like that. And some of my bands on my list don't have guitars anywhere near them. So that will be interesting. Some of mine do too. When we come back, John and I are going to each share our top 10 non-guitar bands. That's all coming up on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Attention. If you live in Spokane, Washington and have teeth, this message is for you. Ron and Jarvis Family Dentistry knows teeth. Incisors, bicuspids, canines, molars. No tooth is too big or too small. I was delighted and impressed. So impressed, I bought the company. With Braun and Jarvis, you'll have the sweetest grill in the inland northwest. And let's be honest, nobody wants a funky grill. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. 509-464-2391. That's 509-464-2391. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. Quality dentistry that doesn't suck. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From the Empire State Building in New York City. Well, okay, I'm in a basement in Spokane, Washington. It's the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Welcome back to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Our topic today is non-guitar bands that you should listen to. <laughs> or, well, our top 10 favorite non-guitar bands that we hope you would listen to. I'm Jeremy, and my partner here is John. And so we'll do it just like the last episode. We'll just kind of go back and forth. And I guarantee you, John, you will have you will be surprised by some of mine. I'm sure I'll be surprised by some of yours. What's your number 10 song, John? Or number 10? Number 10, I had a really hard time trying to find bands because I would I probably listened to maybe 150 tracks of wow. bands that I didn't think had were predominantly guitar-based. Mm -hmm. And so I find ones that kind of resonated with me and uh, didn't have a lot of guitar in them. Okay. So my number 10 is andrew mcmahon and the wilderness andrew mcmahon and the wilderness i have never heard of them yeah kind of a contemporary band they're 
a lot of heavy piano, heavy piano, if you can say okay. that. But uh, they came out um, maybe about 10 years ago, and it's a lot of very good piano playing that's kind of rockish. Okay. And they had a song that was kind of big called um, Cecilia and the Satellite. Wow. Okay. And, and also, I've created a playlist of my kind of top three songs of each one of these bands I chose, and I'll add that to the, uh, the blog post on the episode. Hey, so so if I give you my list, can you add my my playlist for me on the Yeah, well well two separate competing playlists. Oh, I like and, it. Okay. And if if you have any comments to say about what we chose and what we didn't, please, you know, email us or write a comment in the uh the bottom of the blog there. Awesome. Okay, so give it give us that name one more time. It's Andrew McMahon and the Wilderness. Okay. Awesome. My number 10, this is one you've heard of. Okay. Craftwork. Oh, so Craftwork has been around since 1969. German band. You've maybe heard Autobahn. Fun, 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 Autobahn. So that was like 74. Craftwork, for those of you that aren't familiar, Craftwork was making these 80s video game sounds in the mid 70s, right? And that's what it reminds me of when you listen to some of their music. Hey, that they use that sound in Galaga, right? So it's very electronic. I remember you I think might, it's like rudimentary electronic. It's, very it's like rudiment, a lot of repetitive like like noise, like doctored noise. But you know what? I like it. And it's really cool driving music. And and what got me on craft work is I had a, a friend in this is when I lived in middle of nowhere in Montana. He had the Craftwork Man Machine album. And he'd listen to that all the time. And, and it just kind of grew on me. And I, I just kind of like it. Totally electronic. You know, for those of you that go way back, my dad had this album called Switched On Bach. Oh, with uh, Wendy Carlos or? Yes, yes. And it was all like a monophonic no. synthesizer doing all of these Beethoven songs. But that album was very important. And, and so Kraftwerk and a lot of the earlier bands, they built on all of this. And so they were really at the forefront of this electronic music. And I, I and, think they were like avant-garde to the nth degree. They, they were like Andy Warhol, if he could play music. They were because they had a whole image that went with it too. They'd wear matching suits and act like robots and all of this crazy stuff, you know, and, and a lot of folks, probably that will show up on our list later, borrowed a lot of that from Kraftwerk. And they actually used to call, the in this, there was a movement called Krautrock, which sounds kind of derogatory. Oh, but in yeah. Germany, there was Krautrock, which was kind of pre-electronic, but then it kind of, that that term kind of then began to be applied to any German band, right? But, yeah, but like there were a lot of the early electronic pioneer bands were from Germany, in fact, I don't want to give it away, but my next band is 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 from Germany also. Yeah, I just I I like it. And I was just listening to it last night driving around and and, and it's just kind of catchy and crazy electronic sounds, but you should check out Craftwork. Pretty cool that's, stuff. That's cool stuff. All right, what's your number 9 band? My number 9 is another kind of current band too. It's called Jukebox the Ghost. Okay, I have heard of this. Yeah, they are very talented, and they're not a lot of guitars in there. Okay. It's mostly piano. And they have a song called The Great Unknown, which is kind of like their big hit. 
and that'll be included in the in the playlist too that I put up. Awesome. Okay, my next one, kind of in the same vein, and I was surprised these guys actually started two years before Craftwork. This is a group called Tangerine Dream. Oh, I heard of them. Now, are are you familiar with the Mandela effect? Oh, so the Mandela effect is this idea that the public is wrong about something, right? Yes, I, I saw an episode of that on that HBO show. Okay, so, so and it's called the Mandela effect because uh, Nelson Mandela from South Africa of fame, he was in prison for years, right? Apart, he was, he was, uh, put in prison because he was anti-apartheid. He didn't die until gosh, 2010. I I don't have my dates, but the majority of people for whatever reason, believe that he died like in the eighties, like right after being released from prison, for whatever reason, people in their mind, remember seeing Nelson Mandela's funeral on it never happened because he didn't die till like 2010. That's why it's called the Mandela. Right. And there are several examples of this. So like, here's a good one. How many of us remember Jiffy peanut butter? I do. There's no such thing as Jiffy peanut butter. There's Jiff peanut butter and there's Skippy peanut butter. There is no <laughs> Jiffy peanut butter. And yet most people will tell you, oh yeah, we used to have Jiffy peanut butter all the time. Right. So these are just examples. And why am I going into this? Well, I'm going into this because Here's what got me into Tangerine Dream back in the 80s. Remember the movie Lady Hawk? Matthew With, uh, Broderick, Broderick and Rutger uh, Hauer. Who was the gal? It was, um, um, the, oh, that was Michelle uh, Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Great movie. Great movie. And I love the music, right? It wasn't traditional John Williams soundtrack orchestra music. It was synthesizers. And I'm like, yeah. this is really cool. And, and everyone's like, yeah, man, it's Tangerine Dream. They're awesome. And if you go back and look, Tangerine Dream, they did Risky Business. They did, I mean, they were all over soundtracks in the 80s. But it was Lady Hawk that got me in to Tangerine Dream. But here's the funny thing. Tangerine Dream didn't do Lady Hawk. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I thought for years and years, I had the Lady Hawk soundtrack and I listened to it. I thought it was tan. It wasn't. So that's the whole Mandela effect. For whatever reason, it had that 80s kind of synthy sound. And they did do a lot of movie soundtracks. Not that one that actually got me into Tangerine Dream. Uh, but again, they're a little more, you know, craft work is just kind of quirky and weird. Tangerine Dream yeah. is, is more ambient more atmospheric i really like i love it's headphone music right i just love to lay back and listen to tangerine dream and it so that's that's another one you're up to number eight right eight my number eight is also a kind of a current-ish band called crash kings crash kings i'm writing all these down john we have a song called mountain man that's pretty good and it is a rock and piano piece. It is rock music. All, it is all not of yours uh, are pianos. Piano. It's nothing you would want to hear in a polite cycle. Gotcha. You are you are a piano fan. 
I thought about doing like a bunch of new wave bands, you know, like Flock of Seagulls and that kind of yoke that kind of stuff. But I thought that was a little too easy because you just, they don't play any, I mean, they don't, they don't play, play any, any guitar. guitar. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I decided to pick, you know, bands and songs that re- resounded with me. And so that's kind of, I went a little more obscure in the bands, I guess. But once, I mean, these songs that I, I put on this playlist are pretty accessible. So. Awesome. Good. They're, they're not, they're not weird and strange. They are definitely, we'd be, we'd be right at home in like a, a top 40 rock station, rockish or alternative station. Awesome. Okay. So my number eight goes way back. I think this is my oldest one, a little group before, uh, or before we talked about some studio bands last week, Toto and Steely Dan. Well, this, this was like, right. this was a studio band before those guys. This is a little group called Booker T and the MGs. Oh, with green onions, green onions. Yes. We all know green onions. So, so back in the sixties, you had Motown, obviously, but you also had in, in Memphis, you had Stax Volt. And so oh. the house, the house band was Booker T and the MGs. Right. And, and an interest, interesting for the time featured two black guys, two white guys. That was pretty uncommon at the time, right? You had yeah. Booker T. Jones playing the Hammond B3, Al Jackson, the drummer. Then you had Steve Cropper and Duck Dunn. But th- they, they were both in the Blues Brothers, The Blues right? Brothers, absolutely. Both in the Blues Brothers movie and, and on their records. But if you are listening to Wilson Pickett or Otis Redding or uh, any of those Stax Volt records, you were hearing... Booker T and the MGs, but they were a great band, you know, on their own and instrumental, right? It was all instrumental. And of course, we know Green Onions, my favorite Booker T and the MG song is called Time is Tight. Just a a great band. And Steve Cropper, you know, we all know Soul Man, right? That guitar like, you know, that's as as lead guitar-y as he gets. He's a rhythm guy, right? But they were just such a solid band, uh, and they they were a part of so many records of the mid '60s out of Memphis and and Stax Vol. It, it's just really cool. I, I just have always really liked him. So that's my number eight, Booker T and the MGs. So you think back in the day, we kind of, I mean, if you were a band, mm-hmm. you would kind of, or maybe you're a songwriter, or maybe you're looking you're a singer or whatever and you want to get a band. So was the concept you had, like you had Hollywood with their music stuff. You had New York, you had Chicago, you had Memphis muscle shoals. Was it just kind of like you would, you would figure what kind of sound your album wanted to have and you would pick that and you would just book, book studio space and or studio time and do that. I, I think that was a lot of it. So uh, Argent studios was another one. So like the Rolling Stones, they wanted, they wanted to record at Muscle Shoals. So they went to Muscle Shoals and did it there. I, th- I think you're exactly right. Or you'd go to Motown if you wanted to sound there. I think that was probably a lot of it. You know, you'd, you'd get in, in, the, in the West Coast, you had the Wrecking Crew, right, at that time in right. the 60s and stuff. I think that was probably a lot of it. Or you'd go to, you know, Stax Volt. Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. That's Tin Pan Alley. Yeah. In Pan Alley. And then even before that, you got Sun Records, right? Sun Sun Records Records. was even, you know, so many of the legends 
in in early rock and roll came through Sun Records. So that's interesting. Okay, we're up to number seven now. My number seven is kind of a '90s band. It's Ben Folds Five. Okay, I've heard of I've heard of this group. Those guys are super talented. They are great. They'll they'll actually do like improvisation where they'll make a song up on the spot. Mm. It's not like like a jazz improvisation where you have a lead sheet and you have chords and you you take 16 measures of solo and you play the head again, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. This is like they're making up a song on the spot with lyrics, instrumentation. It's it's just amazing stuff these guys can do. Awesome. Ben Folds 5. Are they still putting stuff out? Do you know? I'm pretty sure they are. Okay. Check their website here. I have heard of them. So, okay. My next one. Now, this is one that someone might push back and say, wait, well, hold on. I hear this on classic rock. And you might hear it every now and then, one or two of his songs. But number seven on my list is Jerry Rafferty. Jerry Rafferty, Baker Street, you know. Baker Street was the big hit right down the line. He Earlier, he was in Steeler's Wheel, Steeler's Wheel, and they did Stuck in the Middle. So, yeah, he gets some classic rock play. But uh, he's very, you talked about last week, and I'm realizing this when I look at my list. You talked about last week how one of the things you really liked about Traveling Wilburys was George Harrison sounded so British. Right, <laughs> right. right. And, and you get that with, with Jerry Rafferty. He's, he's more Irish, I think, right? But it's so, you just get that feel from it. And, and that City to City album that has Baker Street on it, the whole album is really good really good album. And I love this album and the next album I'm going to, or the next group I'm going to talk about. They're from that period of the seventies. To me, the seventies are the, that's the pinnacle of album production in my opinion. Right. Think of the huge albums from this dark side of the moon, you know, these massive from a production standpoint, everything's huge. Jerry Rafferty, you know, you got these songs with 20 people playing on it. I just love those big albums like that. And this is big, one of those big productions. Yeah. Big production. It. I like it. And and it's and it's just really good. It's good music. All this all the performances are really good. I mean, these are really good musicians across the entire album. Yeah. So I like it. That was my number seven, Jerry Rafferty. Sweet. Looks like I'm up to number six. This is another contemporary band. They're actually on, maybe not on tour, but they have a gig in November on the 3rd in Miami. So if you're in Miami, hit them up. This is Fitz and the Tantrums. Fitz and the Tantrums. I've heard of them. Okay. So they're out of LA and uh, they're kind of unique because they do not have a guitar guitar player. Some of these bands that I've listed have a guitar player, but they're not really featured. It's not like a rock guitar thing right but they do not have they're like an r&b band that doesn't have a guitar and when i when i first heard them i was like where is the guitar i need if you're gonna play like neo new soul and kind of funk you gotta have a little wicker wicker exactly but they they do all right without a guitar do they have horns is there oh they have a horn section they have you know bass and drums and and i think an organ okay but they are they don't really need a guitar Awesome. And scary. Okay. What was the name again? That's uh, Fitz and the Tantrums. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. My number six 
kind of similar to Jerry Rafferty in a way, same time period. And that is Al Stewart. His breakthrough album was Year of the Cat, 1976. Oh, is that that's yeah. Al Stewart? And so here's the thing. I got I'm just being honest. I can remember as a 10, 12 year old hearing, you know, Year of the Cat or Time Passages or something. And we'd always make fun of the way the guy sang, right? Because it's a very sing songy. Very it doesn't hold a note very long. And, and it's a, a very of, effeminate, you know, yeah. you know, time passages. You know, we'd make fun of it, right? Yeah. But I love Al Stewart to the point that I've gone back, John, when I find Al Stewart albums. I buy them. So I've got several Al Stewart really, and they're all really good. And here's what he's really good at. He's a storyteller. So if you put on, and and of course, heavily orchestrated, beautiful piano and sweet, tasty guitar playing, you know, listen to time passages. There's awesome guitar playing on it, but, but it's not the type of thing you'll hear on classic rock radio. You might hear Year of the Cat, depending on the classic rock station, but I, I kind of thought he was kind of a little like Cat Stevens. He's kind, it's, yeah. it's kind of that kind of realm. Kind of. He gets a little more orchestrated, you know, where you look at a Cat Stevens and he does too a bit, but, but you know, you got your Cat Stevens, Seals and Croft, that, and I love that stuff too, right? But yeah. Al Stewart is just it's really grown on me over the last 10 or 15 years. I bought year of the cat twice without even knowing it. I was a record. <laughs> I was at, I've been buying vinyl the last few years and I got one. Oh, great. And then I bought it again and went home and I go, wait, I already, I already have this. So I've got year. If you want a copy of year of the cat on vinyl, I got one for you. I did the same thing with another album on my list coming up here, but yeah, love Al Stewart. He's my number six. So another tangent here, you mentioned that uh, Al Stewart likes to tell stories. I mean, that's, at least in my experience of rock, that's not very common. It's exactly. more common in like country music where right. I got out of my house and got in the pickup truck and, exactly. you know, that, but that, that doesn't occur in rock. I mean, I, I can't think of very many songs that do that. Right. So do you think rock is above that beyond it or do you, you think it's just lacking because we don't tell i mean rock players don't tell stories like that I, I don't know i don't know i think so if you look at a and this comparison is completely they're, they're polar opposites but both al stewart and you look at like steve harris from iron maiden gotcha they're history buffs right and so you know, Al Stewart has a song it's called on the border on the border. It's talking about running guns, some historical thing that happened in Spain at, and, and, and Steve Harris is writing about a battle in the war of 1812, you know, so some of it yeah. is it, it, it's history. Right? Uh, right. So it does happen to some extent in rock, but I think, that's a very good question. I, I just not sure that the structure of a rock, particularly a hard rock song is easy for storytelling, but think about Harry Chapin, you know, cats in the cradle. I mean, in okay. folk music, Definitely. I mean, I think it's pretty common that you have these stories, but, but uh, that's a very interesting question. I think we need to do a podcast on that. Yeah, that, there we go. We're just coming up with, with podcast <laughs> ideas. Okay. So we're up to number five now. We're up to number five. My, my number five is an 80s band 
That is the same name twice. Okay, let me let me think. It's not Duran Duran, or is it? It's not Duran Duran. Is it Talk Talk? It is Talk Talk. Score! Excellent. Okay. That's the Did only you, other band I could think of. With are two they names. on your list? No, they're not on okay. my list. So they had the big song, which is called It's My Life, which yeah. is actually quite a great song, you know. I thought those guys did a really good job with what they're doing. So talk yeah, and, and remade by Brian their names. Ferry. No, 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 no. Gwen Stefani. No doubt. Oh, she yeah. did it. Yeah. It's my life. I love that song. Yeah. I like Great the original. <laughs> I remember, I remember the video from that, from talk, talk of that song. Okay. My number five, I've mentioned this guy. This is the third episode where I've mentioned this guy. It's Christopher Cross. You're saying he doesn't play guitar. You're saying this is no. Not he he does play guitar and he rips on guitar, but he's not. He's not considered classic rock, and people definitely don't think of Chris because all of his all of his hits were ballads, right? So is he easy listening? Is that the he genre would be easy soft rock, easy soft listening, rock. yeah, adult contemporary, but muskrat you know love what? kind of stuff, yeah, but. Here's everyone's homework assignment. Go on YouTube and look up Christopher Cross, Ride Like the Wind, live. Okay? Now, I had always assumed hearing that song, because there's some pretty tasty guitar playing on the outro. I assumed it was some studio guy. No, it's Christopher Cross. And you watch him live, even today, even recent years, the guy just smokes on electric guitar. Phenomenal guitar player. And and John, you didn't hear this episode, but I talked about this on. He filled in for Richie Blackmore once, as he Richie Blackmore was sick, and they were playing in in Houston or Dallas, I think it was Houston. And Christopher Cross was a local rock guy in the Houston area. He was a rock player, and they call him in, and he plays with Deep Purple. And that's a, that's a scary. It's thing. amazing. And here's the thing. You know the famous Stevie Ray Vaughan guitar, the SRV Strat? Yeah. Yeah, that used to belong to to uh, Christopher Cross. No way. Yep. He owned it before Stevie Ray Vaughan did. So in Texas, Christopher Cross was a rock guy. And then when he made it big, everyone is shocked because he's Mr. Ballad Man. And he's doing all these Arthur's theme and Think of Laura and all these beautiful, and they are beautiful songs, right? And I think I mentioned on the last episode, he won either five or six Grammys in 1980 album yeah, he, of the year song of the year, best new artist. I mean, he was, he was the pinnacle of pop music in 1980. And then a year or two later, once MTV starts, never heard of him again. Sailing, you know, the song sailing. Yep. It's a beautiful song. Listen to the guitars on that song. It, it, he's just, he's just super talented. And I, I I love them. It's great. So that was my number five, Christopher Cross. Okay. My number four is an 80s powerhouse. I'm going to call it powerhouse. I'm ready. Simply Red. Ooh. English band. Yeah. They, I, I saw them on MTV first. I mean, we didn't have cable. I'm not sure where I saw it at. Uh, but I saw that video of uh, Turning Back the Years. Is that the one? Holding Back the Years. Holding Back the Years. Yeah, great like, song. And I was like, these guys are dressed up like like newsies. They got yeah. the, the little 
flat cap on and vests and they're mm-hmm. sitting in train cars singing songs to each other. It's like, that's, that's interesting. I've never seen that before, but I really like that band. I they're, do too. And, and they did, uh, they did a version of if you don't know me by now. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's mean, awesome. It's a great song and a great singer. And I don't know what has happened. That guy had a very, very distinct voice. Very interesting. I mean, it cut through the mix like crazy too. And, and that was kind of like that, you know, like I said, in the sixties, the, the British kind of grabbed onto American blues. Yeah. And I think in the seventies and eighties, they kind of grabbed onto American soul. So it's a different, you know, it's, it's still, it's still bluesy, but it's, it's got a little bit more um, like inflection to it. You yeah. Know? And you know, it's funny and maybe this connection isn't, completely accurate but what you said is exactly right is the british kind of took on this american you know soul sound and you think of someone like a rick astley right rick astley rick astley us who who first of all i mean everyone talks about being rick rolled and it's kind of become a joke but rick astley had a phenomenal voice just voice huge great voice and and I think that was the byproduct of what you're talking about, that British fixation on American soul music. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Okay, so my number four, also a guy that lives in Germany. He's an, he's an American, but has lived in Germany for like the last 40 years. A little obscure, and there is some guitar on it. Remember Planet P Project? I don't think I've heard of that. Planet P Project featured Tony Carey, who had been in Rainbow. And Tony Carey also had a solo album. Like he had two albums out at the same time. He had Tony Carey, I Won't Be Home Tonight. I Won't Be Home Tonight, which was a classic rock tune. And then there's this Planet P Project, which was, again, one of these albums with no pictures, no band members. And, and, and interesting. When it first came out, the album was called Planet P, or the, the, the band was called Planet P. The album was called Planet P Project because of the, someone else was called Planet P. Then the name of the band was changed to Planet P Project. But Planet P Project was Tony Carey and a German guitar player who I don't remember his name. They created the album or produced the album in Germany, and the video. John, you've seen the video. The video, the song is called Why Me. And it's it's just a great, it's heavy on the keyboards, kind of got some pink Floydish overtones to it. Uh, but the song Why Me was got they played the crap out of it on MTV. It's one that showed the astronaut's head exploding. I don't know if you remember that. Video. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, he won't be back this way till 2010. Why me? You don't want to hear me singing it, but it's a great song. <laughs> Planet yeah. P Project. I found this because you can never find it right now. Thanks to streaming, you can find it. But about 10 years ago, I found this at a Goodwill on CD. And I just was so happy when I found it because I, I wanted to have it you know i had it on cassette back in the 80s that got wore out so when i found it on cd i was thrilled but now you can stream it but planet p project was my number four that's a good choice my number three is a synth band and it's probably one of the biggest bands in the world in the 80s they sold out the uh 
the Coliseum in LA. What's the big Olympic stadium they had there? Is it the Forum? Maybe is that the forum? not the Forum. What's the big one there? Okay. But they sold it out two nights in a row. It's Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. I didn't even think of them. That's huge. a huge one. Okay. So when I was a kid, we moved from the Tri-Cities here in Washington down to central Utah. And the music was completely different. They were really into the new wave. And there was mm-hmm. kids called the Wavers. <laughs> really long bangs. Right. They would hang over their eyes. And to look you in the eye, they would do this Flip, flip their head, flip back. their yeah. hair, hair back, nice. and then they could look at you in the eye. But this new wave, uh, this new wave music was really popular then. In Depeche Mode and Eurasia, you know, and all these those kind of bands were just they were all over the place, every everywhere you went. And uh, I remember going to um, I went to a youth conference at BYU, which was really strange. But they have this big ballroom, and there are probably two thousand kids there you know between the ages of like 14 and 18 and when they played depeche mode the entire dance i mean the entire place filled up body to body it was was just like that was like the the clarion call for for these kids all the waivers were waving all the waivers were out there they had the skinny ties and the little lapels (laughs) girls had the 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 crimped hair and the the shoulder pads and stuff it was but depeche mode ruled they were huge. And there was a whole, so I was working in radio. And so you had Depeche Mode, you had uh, Erasure, you had then these other bands like, like Information Society. Yaz. Yaz. What was that song? Superman? No, it was the... It's a great song. I'm sorry, but I'm just thinking of the right words to say. Oh, 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 yeah. I can't remember okay. the band. But but all of that, it. there was all of that music going on at the time. Um, the prom when in Rome, the promise. When in Rome, the promise. Yeah, you're yes. right. So that was all yeah. But Depeche I, Mode was Dep- huge. They were the I mean, they were the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those those guys could fill stadiums. Like you had like the hair metal was big, but I don't think like rat or poison could oh, fill a stadium not, with 80,000 people. Like, not, no, 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 no. You, no. you too might've been able to do that. I don't, I can't think of any other act that would be able to book a stadium two nights in a row in the eighties. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. So my number three, and this is the one that I'm anticipating people will give me the most pushback because you'll say that's totally a classic rock band, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm having it anyways. And that is ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra, you know? Excellent. I love they, those guys. They do play, ELO gets played on classic rock. So, so yeah, but but they're, they're you know, just by name, you know, Electric Light Orchestra, it's an orchestra, you know? And I just, I love Jeff Lynn. I think he's a genius. Uh, Undoubtedly. Yeah, he's a huge Beatles fan. I mean, you hear the Beatle, Beatlesque harmonies and things, but then you got the strings. You got, I just love, I've always loved ELO. And, and they're not really, you know, most hard rockers are not going to be no. big time into to ELO. But I really love Jeff Lynne. I really love ELO. So you, we're up to number two. My number two is another current band. Let me see if they're going to be on tour here, too. It is. A, bit, a band that has no guitar in it. Okay. 
Um, they are Royal Blood. Okay, I've heard of them. So this is basically two guys. I can figure out their names here, but uh, one of the guys is a drummer, and he's a fantastic. He's really like a a tasty drummer. You know, you have drummers that are like fills and drums that are groove drummers. He's just a really tasty one where he sits in that pocket and propels the song along. Mm-hmm. But the the lead singer has a bass guitar, four string bass guitar, and he runs it through a bunch of effects and through a bunch of amps, guitar amps and bass amps. Wow! And he'll actuate different pedals in different parts of the song, so it sounds like the the bass guitar is being doubled. And it is. I, I saw him perform on uh, Howard Stern. It came up there, and it was his talent. The, the bass player singer's talent was amazing. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody perform like that before. And and he and they do it. Lo- I mean, obviously, he's got technology to help him do that. But but they pull there, that off with just two people. There's no backing track. No backing wow. track. I mean, I've been to a lot of concerts with very talented people, and there's a backing track. Right. These guys were just up. They're just a drummer and a guitar player who could sing. Yeah. And it's 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 moving to me and their their videos are very strange and very violent but i'll put, uh, blood. definitely put those guys on the playlist but royal blood awesome okay so my number two this is a this is a band we all know and for whatever reason this band doesn't get played on classic rock radio but i totally think they should and that is blondie oh so it's interesting because Pat Benatar gets played on classic rock radio. You'll True. hear several Pat Benatar tunes. Joan Jett. Rightly so. Joan Jett. Blondie doesn't. But if, you, if you're, and there's, it's full of guitars. There's lots of guitars in Blondie. So lots of tasty, cool, new wavy guitars. But for whatever reason, Blondie doesn't get played in classic rock. But, but I think it should. I love Blondie. Now, the thing about Blondie, which is fun, and this goes back to my nerdy fixation on European electronic bands, Giorgio Moroder was a, a producer, I think, of the Parallel Lines album. Okay. So, so Heart of Glass, where you got all the synthesizer stuff in the background, that's total, that's total Giorgio Moroder, right? If you listen right. to Giorgio Moroder, it's this disco synthesizer stuff that they melded because because if you hear Blondie without the Giorgio Moroder stuff, they're on they're like a punk band, right? But right. Then Giorgio Moroder comes in and adds this synth vibe disco thing, and it became a whole new thing, which was really cool. It's it's actually a genre. Yes, it's called. I hope I don't say it wrong. Italo or Italo synth music. Oh, yeah, I could totally there's see a, that. There's whole like genres and there's uh, people on YouTube that recreate is, those kind of sounds with the arpeggiated uh, keyboards. And, stuff and like I love that. I love that. So so any of you folks remember, John, I don't know if you ever listened to this, but late at night, if you listen to Coast to Coast AM on the radio. Oh, that's kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. So. The theme song is Art, Art Bell. Was that Art, yeah, he died. So now it's a new guy. But the theme song for years and years was Giorgio Moroder. You know, it's Giorgio Moroder. And every time I'd hear that, I'd think of Blondie, right? Because Blondie was kind of my first exposure to 
Giorgio Moroder did a lot of soundtracks from the late seventies, you know, American gigolo, you know, you know, that arpeggiated baseline and all that, but that was a huge thing. And, and even the Blondie stuff, that's not got the Giorgio Moroder stuff. I like, I, I just think Blondie was a great, you know, and Blondie is not Debbie Harry. I mean, Debbie Harry's part of it, but that was a super tight musical unit. And, and people think Blondie is Debbie Harry. Well, Debbie Harry was the singer in Blondie, but Blondie is that whole band of very talented, phenomenal drummer, by the way, but just a great, a great band. Uh, I love that. Now, we're not going to share our number ones yet. We're not. No, we're going to come back. We're going to come back and share our number ones. We're going to tease these Yes, people. it's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. Right. But before we go, John, I want to tell you, we have a sponsor. We have a sponsor. This is an awesome sponsor, by the way. And this sponsor sent me some product. I'm going to bring, we were supposed to get together tonight, but I kind of have a cold. And so I didn't want John to get it. So we're doing it via Zoom tonight, but I'm going to bring this to you. John is a good cook. I've eaten John's cooking quite a few times and he's a good cook. Well, thank you. So, so our sponsor is a company and a, a, a made in the USA, an American company called Heart Soul Heat. And they're out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. I think they're out of Minneapolis. Check out their website. It's heartsoulheat.com. They make a product called Ghost Honey. And it is 100% American-made hot honey, ghost pepper infused. It's Ooh. raw honey. It's, it's crazy. So he sent me a, a bottle of this, and I had it on some chicken strips. Oh, It was delicious. Okay, Sweet. so if you like honey, a lot of people have honey on pizza. This was a thing I wasn't aware of until I was in Fort Collins, Colorado a few years ago. And I noticed that this pizza place, they had honey. So after you ate your pizza, you put honey on the crust. Well, anyways, this works great for that, right? It's awesome on uh, chicken strips. It's any place you'd use honey on cornbread, right? I love honey. So I can eat spoonfuls of honey. So he sent me this ghost honey. It's awesome. It's awesome. So you got to check it out. It's bold and flavorful without overpowering your favorite foods. It's zippy. I'll tell you, it's a little zippy. Really good. It's really good. And they have a special deal just for listeners of the Classic Guitar Rock podcast. If you order, go to their website and enter the code ROCK, R-O-C-K, at checkout, and you'll save 50%. Ooh, that's okay. a yeah. discount. Very good. So heart, soul, heat dot com and don't forget that promo code uh, at checkout rock r-o-c-k heart soul heat their ghost honey delicious check it out and we want to thank them for for being our sponsor okay when we come back we're going to share our number one picks for non-guitar bands stay right where you are
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Freshly sanitized for your safety. It's the classic guitar rock podcast. Welcome back to the classic guitar rock podcast. Our topic this week is non guitar bands that we think you should listen to because we think you'd like them. And we've got, we've shared our first nine and now we're going to share our number ones, number one non-guitar bands we think you should listen to. And so, John, it's your turn. So reflecting back on the list we've made, we have on our, the first episode we did together, there was a lot of overlap. Yeah. There's three or four bands that we picked. This one, there's been zero overlap between the None. two lists. Yep. So my top choice for bands that really don't need a guitar, no, it's not really a band. It's a guy. It's okay. Billy Joel. Whoa. Okay. Billy Joel doesn't get played on classic rock. No, no. I love Billy Joel. His his catalog. I mean, I was look, looking at his, his albumography, whatever they call it, the discography. Mm-hmm. And he, in the, sp- in the span of four years, made four albums. The, the albums that he made weren't just one hit wonders. There wasn't like a one good cut on the album. Right. There were so many deep, I mean, there were like six or seven songs on each one that were just great to listen to. Right. So that's, that's why he's my choice. He's just really super talented. He's very talented. And Glass Houses, I wore that album out. Uh, and to your point, there were, like, there were like three huge hits off of that album. And uh, yeah, that's a great choice. I love Billy Joel. And who's your number one? So my number one, and I was mentioning to John as I was putting this list together that how some of these were actually connected, which kind of surprised me. So I'll I'll, I'll share how that connection works. So my number one non-guitar band is the Alan Parsons Project. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And so so remember I told you Lady Hawk was the album that got me hooked on – Tangerine Dream, right? Only to find out Tangerine Dream didn't do the Lady Ox soundtrack. Well, Alan Parsons did. Alan Parsons and oh, Andrew Powell, I think is the guy's name. They did that soundtrack. And, and Alan Parsons produced Al Stewart. So he was the producer of the Al Stewart albums. And as if that's not enough, Alan Parsons was an assistant engineer on Abbey Road. And he was the engineer on Dark Side of the Moon. Dark Side of the Moon. So here's a guy who's worked with the Beatles and Pink Floyd and several, you know, Al Stewart, several other bands that that he's done. Ambrosia, one of the 70s band, right? And he's got this weird little group called the Alan Parsons Project. And we all know Eye in the Sky. You know, that's a song everyone knows. But their whole every album i love every album his first album remember how i told you i bought i bought two copies of year of the cat yeah i did i did the same thing with 
the first Alan, how's this for nerdy? The first Alan Parsons album is <laughs> it's, it's tales of mystery and suspense. Edgar Allan Poe, they make an album of that. Right. And it charted, right. It charted. Yeah. It charted. It was a popular, it was a popular. So I bought, not only did I buy that, I bought an import version of that. I mean, I paid top dollar for the import version of that album. Did, but did, you, have like, to play, did you have to spin the record the other direction? Is no, it plays the normal way, but all the, all the writing on the outside is in Japanese. But then I bought, I like seriously, like a month later for a dollar, I found the same album at the thrift store but it's a different cover completely. It was like the U S album cover. that has got like a picture of his face, but so it's Alan, not worth as much, right? No, it's not worth as much, but, and it doesn't have the Orson Welles narration at the beginning of it. Like the import did, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that I've heard some you of that. Probably before. have, you probably have checked Orson out. Welles was on some weird stuff when he, he, got, yeah. He, and so he needed money and he liked the prestige of being treated and well. He, and, yeah, totally. And so he does the intro of this tales of mystery, but but then when it starts getting really good is iRobot, which was like 76. And and traditionally, here's my here's my sorry to nerd out on Alan Parsons. I'm trying to convert you, John, to the Alan Parsons side. In the 80s, right? When you go to the car stereo stores, they'd always be playing like Alan Parsons. They'd be playing Voyager from the Pyramid album, or they'd be playing, remember Serious Instrumental? At the beginning of Eye in the Sky. And now it's it's even called the Chicago Bulls theme now, because the Chicago Bulls used it for their walk-on. But but for audiophiles, Alan Parsons was like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna test out your cool audio system, you gotta play some Alan Parsons. And and I just love it. I love it. It's uh, but the it's such a weird band because there's no I mean he's used like 15 different lead singers. I haven't pulled up on Wikipedia. Yeah. Or, my gosh, there must be 35 people that have been oh, in yeah. and out of that band. It's ridiculous. And they're all awesome, right? But like the, the guy we think of, the voice of Eye in the Sky, Ian Wolfson, I think is his name. Ian Wolfson. Eric Wolfson. Eric Wolfson. Sorry, Eric Wolfson. So that was the duo, right? It was, and for whatever reason, they call it the Alan Parsons Project, but, but Eric wrote a lot of the songs too and here's what's funny the first song he sang was on turn of a friendly card which was in 1980 or 81 the song time and alan parsons even talked about this he took he took us and them by pink floyd and changed one chord just changed two chords around in it but if you listen to time by alan parsons it totally sounds like a pink floyd song it's us and them just in different order but that's the first song that eric wolfson ever sang on because alan parsons didn't like his voice didn't really want him singing and yet when you think of alan parsons you think of eye in the sky that's the big one that everyone knows right don't answer me they're all eric wolfson singing on them so if you were going to think of a voice of alan parsons it's it's that guy yet there's so many other songs with other people sing. I love, I love Alan Parsons. I'm a nerd for Alan Parsons. So that's my it's, number it's, one. It's interesting looking at his Wikipedia page because uh, the band has two official members and like 35 notable contributors. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, how did they do it live? Because I mean, I'm sure they can't tour with 40 people. So they must have different people singing. 
I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's interesting that the way that they, at least this person that edited this Wikipedia uh, page, they they put like their music talent at the very end. So Alan <laughs> Parsons' credits are production, engineering, programming, composition, keyboards, and guitar. So mm. it's like everything except playing the music comes before him playing music. Exactly. And and Al, Eric Wilson's the same way. Composition, lyrics, piano, keyboards, then vocals. They that's what the, yeah, that is interesting. It's I, it's interesting the way they they stack that. But they're really good. I mean, that's I have a weakness for Alan Parsons and I and I love it. Their their worst album is Eve, by the way. That's probably my least favorite. But uh the first I like them, you know, and and the the sound is it's that big 70s huge production and uh you'll you'll enjoy it so anyways this was a fun list this was a fun was. List. so so for next episode we're going to get back to classic rock you know this was kind of a this was kind of a little escape from classic rock but we're going to get into it big time next week and john is already getting ready for it yep Next week, we're going to do another classic album review. We're going to do Robin Trower's Bridge of Size, which is just a great album. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you think about that. And I, I listened to it a little bit today, and I'm astounded how good it sounds. Yeah. And was that 74, 75? I can't remember the year. I'll, I'll, I'll know that when we start next week. But it's early to mid-70s. The sound is great. And, you know, Robin Trower still plays, and he's got to be. 78 76 he's up there but still playing uh so that's coming up next week it's uh robin trower bridge of size album looking forward to that thanks so much for listening check out the website classicguitarrock.com you can email us classicguitarrock at mail.com and as we mentioned at the beginning you can check us out on Patreon. You can be a patron for as little as $3 a month if that's something you'd like to do. If you like the podcast, please like, subscribe, share it with your friends, and we will see you next week on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Oh, sweetie. Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at classicguitarrock at mail.com. We're not ordinary people. We'll see you for the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.